Section 18 of Reflections on the Revolution in France. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reflections on the Revolution in France, and on the proceedings in certain societies in London relative to that event, in a letter intended to have been sent to a gentleman in Paris, 1790, by Edmund Burke. Section 18. The truly melancholy part of the policy of systematically making a nation of gamesters is this, that though all are forced to play, few can understand the game, and fewer still are in a condition to avail themselves of that knowledge. The many must be the dupes of the few who conduct the machine of these speculations. What effect it must have on the country people is visible. The townsmen can calculate from day to day. Not so the inhabitant of the country. When the peasant first brings his corn to market, the magistrate in the towns obliges him to take the assignat at par. When he goes to the shop with his money, he finds it seven per cent the worse for crossing the way. This market he will not readily resort to again. The townspeople will be inflamed, they will force the country people to bring their corn, resistance will begin, and the murders of Paris and Saint-Denis may be renewed through all France what signifies the empty compliment paid to the country by giving it perhaps more than its share in the theory of your representation where have you placed the real power over moneyed and landed circulation where have you placed the means of raising and falling the value of every man's freehold those whose operations can take from or add ten per cent to the possessions of every man in france must be the masters of every man in france the whole of the power obtained by this revolution will settle in the towns among the burghers and the moneyed directors who lead them the landed gentlemen the yeomen and the peasant have none of them habits or inclinations or experience which can lead them to any share in this the sole source of power and influence now left in france the very nature of a country life the very nature of landed property in all the occupations and all the pleasures they afford render combination and arrangement the sole way of procuring and exerting influence in a manner impossible amongst country people combine them by all the art you can and all the industry they are always dissolving into individuality anything in the nature of incorporation is almost impracticable amongst them hope fear alarm jealousy the ephemerous tale that does its business and dies in a day all these things which are the reins and spurs by which leaders check or urge the minds of followers are not easily employed or hardly at all amongst scattered people they assemble they arm they act with the utmost difficulty and at the greatest charge their efforts if ever they can be commenced cannot be sustained they cannot proceed systematically if the country gentlemen attempt an influence through the mere income of their property what is it to that of those who have ten times their income to sell and who can ruin their property by bringing their plunder to meet it at market if the landed man wishes to mortgage he falls the value of his land and raises the value of his signets he augments the power of his enemy by the very means he must take to contend with him the country gentleman therefore the officer by sea and land the man of liberal views and habits attached to no profession will be as completely excluded from the government of his country as if he were legislatively proscribed. 
it is obvious that in the towns all the things which conspire against the country gentlemen combine in favor of the money manager and director in towns combination is natural the habits of burghers their occupations their diversions their business their idleness continually bring them into mutual contact their virtues and their vices are sociable they are always in garrison and they come embodied and half-disciplined into the hands of those who mean to form them for civil or military action all these considerations leave no doubt on my mind that if this monster of a constitution can continue france will be wholly governed by the agitators in corporations by societies in the towns formed of directors in assignats and trustees for the sale of church lands attorneys agents money-jobbers speculators and adventurers composing an ignoble oligarchy founded on the destruction of the crown the church the nobility and the people here end all the deceitful dreams and visions of the equality and rights of men in the serbonian bog of this base oligarchy they are all absorbed sunk and lost for ever though human eyes cannot trace them one would be tempted to think some great offences in france must cry to heaven which has thought fit to punish it with a subjection to a vile and inglorious domination in which no comfort or compensation is to be found in any even of those false splendours which playing about other tyrannies prevent mankind from feeling themselves dishonoured even whilst they are oppressed i must confess i am touched with a sorrow mixed with some indignation at the conduct of a few men once of great rank and still of great character who deluded with specious names have engaged in a business too deep for the line of their understanding to fathom who have lent their fair reputation and the authority of their high-sounding names to the designs of men with whom they could not be acquainted and have thereby made their very virtues operate to the ruin of their country so far as to the first cementing principle the second material of cement for their new republic is the superiority of the city of paris and this i admit is strongly connected with the other cementing principle of paper circulation and confiscation it is in this part of the project we must look for the cause of the destruction of all the old bounds of provinces and jurisdictions ecclesiastical and secular and the dissolution of all ancient combinations of things as well as the formation of so many small unconnected republics the power of the city of paris is evidently one great spring of all their politics it is through the power of paris now become the centre and focus of jobbing that the leaders of this faction direct or rather command the whole legislative and the whole executive government everything therefore must be done which can confirm the authority of that city over the other republics paris is compact she has an enormous strength wholly disproportioned to the force of any of the square republics and this strength is collected and condensed within a narrow compass paris has a natural and easy connection of its parts which will not be affected by any scheme of a geometrical constitution nor does it much signify whether its proportion of representation be more or less since it has the whole draught of fishes in its dragnet the other divisions of the kingdom being hackled and torn to pieces and separated from all their habitual means and even principles of union cannot for some time at least confederate against her nothing was to be left in all the subordinate members but weakness 
disconnection, and confusion. To confirm this part of the plan, the Assembly has lately come to a resolution that no two of their republics shall have the same commander-in-chief. To a person who takes a view of the whole, the strength of Paris, thus formed, will appear a system of general weakness. It is boasted that the geometrical policy has been adopted, that all local ideas should be sunk, and that the people should be no longer Gascons, Picards, Bretons, Normans, but Frenchmen, with one country, one heart, and one assembly. But instead of being all Frenchmen, the greater likelihood is that the inhabitants of that region will shortly have no country. No man ever was attached by a sense of pride, partiality, or real affection to a description of square measurement. He never will glory in belonging to the checker number 71, or to any other badge ticket. We begin our public affections in our families. No cold relation is a zealous citizen. We pass on to our neighborhoods and our habitual provincial connections. These are inns and resting places. Such divisions of our country, as have been formed by habit, and not by a sudden jerk of authority, were so many little images of the great country, in which the heart found something which it could fill. The love to the whole is not extinguished by this subordinate partiality. Perhaps it is a sort of elemental training to those higher and more large regards by which alone men come to be affected, as with their own concern, in the prosperity of a kingdom so extensive as that of France. In that general territory itself, as in the old name of provinces, the citizens are interested from old prejudices and unreasoned habits, and not on account of the geometric properties of its figure. The power and preeminence of Paris does certainly press down and hold these republics together as long as it lasts. But for the reasons I have already given you, I think it cannot last very long. Passing from the civil creating and the civil cementing principles of this constitution to the National Assembly, which is to appear and act as sovereign, we see a body in its constitution with every possible power and no possible external control. We see a body without fundamental laws, without established maxims, without respected rules of proceeding, which nothing can keep firm to any system whatsoever. Their idea of their powers is always taken at the utmost stretch of legislative competency, and their examples for common cases from the exceptions of the most urgent necessity. The future is to be in most respects like the present assembly but by the mode of the new elections and the tendency of the new circulations it will be purged of the small degree of internal control existing in a minority chosen originally from various interests and preserving something of their spirit if possible the next assembly must be worse than the present the present by destroying and altering everything will leave to their successors apparently nothing popular to do they will be roused by emulation and example to enterprises the boldest and the most absurd to suppose such an assembly sitting in perfect quietude is ridiculous your all-sufficient legislators in their hurry to do everything at once have forgot one thing that seems essential and which i believe never has been before in the theory or the practice omitted by any projector of a republic they have forgot to constitute a senate or something of that nature and character Never before this time was heard of a body politic composed of one legislative and active assembly and its executive officers without such a council. 
without something to which foreign states might connect themselves something to which in the ordinary detail of government the people could look up something which might give a bias and steadiness and preserve something like consistency in the proceedings of state such a body kings generally have as a council a monarchy may exist without it but it seems to be in the very essence of a republican government it holds a sort of middle place between the supreme power exercised by the people or immediately delegated from them and the mere executive of this there are no traces in your constitution and in providing nothing of this kind your solons and numas have as much as in anything else discovered a sovereign incapacity let us now turn our eyes to what they have done towards the formation of an executive power for this they have chosen a degraded king this their first executive officer is to be a machine without any sort of deliberative discretion in any one act of his function at best he is but a channel to convey to the national assembly such matter as may import that body to know if he had been made the exclusive channel the power would not have been without its importance though infinitely perilous to those who would choose to exercise it but public intelligence and statement of facts may pass to the assembly with equal authenticity through any other conveyance as to the means therefore of giving a direction to measures by the statement of an authorized reporter this office of intelligence is as nothing to consider the french scheme of an executive officer in its two natural divisions of civil and political in the first it must be observed that according to the new constitution the higher parts of judicature in either of its lines are not in the king the king of france is not the fountain of justice the judges neither the original nor the appellate are of his nomination he neither proposes the candidates nor has a negative on the choice he is not even the public prosecutor he serves only as a notary to authenticate the choice made of the judges in the several districts by his officers he is to execute their sentence when we look into the true nature of his authority he appears to be nothing more than a chief of bumbailiffs sergeants at mace catchpoles jailers and hangmen it is impossible to place anything called royalty in a more degrading point of view a thousand times better it had been for the dignity of this unhappy prince that he had nothing at all to do with the administration of justice deprived as he is of all that is venerable and all that is consolatory in that function without power of originating any process without a power of suspension mitigation or pardon everything in justice that is vile and odious is thrown upon him it was not for nothing that the assembly has been at such pains to remove the stigma from certain offices when they were resolved to place the person who had lately been their king in a situation but one degree above the executioner and in an office nearly of the same quality it is not in the nature that situated as the king of france now is he can respect himself or can be respected by others view this new executive officer on the side of his political capacity as he acts under the orders of the national assembly to execute laws is a royal office to execute orders is not to be a king however a political executive magistracy though merely such is a great trust it is a trust indeed that has much depending upon its faithful and diligent performance both in the person presiding in it and in all its subordinates means of performing this duty ought to be given by regulation 
and dispositions towards it ought to be infused by the circumstances attendant on the trust it ought to be environed with dignity authority and consideration and it ought to lead to glory the office of execution is an office of exertion it is not from impotence we are to expect the tasks of power what sort of person is a king to command executory service who has no means whatsoever to reward it not in a permanent office not in a grant of land no not in a pension of fifty pounds a year not in the vainest and most trivial title in france the king is no more the fountain of honor than he is the fountain of justice all rewards all distinctions are in other hands those who serve the king can be actuated by no natural motive but fear by a fear of everything except their master his functions of internal coercion are as odious as those which he exercises in the department of justice if relief is to be given to any municipality the assembly gives it if troops are to be sent to reduce them to obedience to the assembly the king is to execute the order and upon every occasion he is to be spattered over with the blood of his people he has no negative yet his name and authority is used to enforce every harsh decree nay he must concur in the butchery of those who shall attempt to free him from his imprisonment or show the slightest attachment to his person or to his ancient authority executive magistracy ought to be constituted in such a manner that those who compose it should be disposed to love and to venerate those whom they are bound to obey a purposed neglect or what is worse a literal but perverse and malignant obedience must be the ruin of the wisest counsels in vain will the law attempt to anticipate or to follow such studied neglects and fraudulent attentions to make them act zealously is not in the competence of law kings even such as are truly kings may and ought to bear the freedom of subjects that are obnoxious to them they may too without derogating from themselves bear even the authority of such persons if it promotes their service louis the thirteenth mortally hated the cardinal de richelieu but his support of that minister against his rivals was the source of all the glory of his reign and the solid foundation of his throne itself louis the fourteenth when come to the throne did not love the cardinal mazarin but for his interests he preserved him in power when old he detested louvois but for years whilst he faithfully served his greatness he endured his person when george the second took mr pitt who certainly was not agreeable to him into his counsels he did nothing which could humble a wise sovereign but these ministers who were chosen by affairs not by affections acted in the name of and in trust for kings and not as their avowed constitutional and ostensible masters i think it impossible that any king when he has recovered his first terrors can cordially infuse vivacity and vigor into measures which he knows to be dictated by those who he must be persuaded are in the highest degree ill affected to his person will any ministers who serve such a king or whatever he may be called with but a decent appearance of respect cordially obey the orders of those whom but the other day in his name they had committed to the bastille will they obey the orders of those whom whilst they were exercising despotic justice upon them they conceived they were treating with lenity and for whom in a prison they thought they had provided an asylum if you expect such obedience amongst your other innovations and regenerations 
you ought to make a revolution in nature and provide a new constitution for the human mind otherwise your supreme government cannot harmonize with its executory system there are cases in which we cannot take up with names and abstractions you may call a half a dozen leading individuals whom we have reason to fear and hate the nation it makes no other difference than to make us fear and hate them the more if it had been thought justifiable and expedient to make such a revolution by such means and through such persons as you have made yours it would have been more wise to have completed the business of the fifth and sixth of october the new executive officer would then owe his situation to those who are his creators as well as his masters and he might be bound in interest in the society of crime and if in crimes there could be virtues in gratitude to serve those who had promoted him to a place of great lucre and great sensual indulgence and of something more for more he must have received from those who certainly would not have limited an aggrandized creature as they have done a submitting antagonist a king circumstanced as the present if he is totally stupefied by his misfortunes so as to think it not the necessity but the premium and privilege of life to eat and sleep without any regard to glory can never be fit for the office if he feels as men commonly feel he must be sensible that an office so circumstanced is one in which he can obtain no fame or reputation he has no generous interest that can excite him to action at best his conduct will be passive and defensive to inferior people such an office might be matter of honor but to be raised to it and to descend to it are different things and suggest different sentiments does he really name the ministers they will have a sympathy with him are they forced upon him the whole business between them and the nominal king will be mutual counteraction in all other countries the office of ministers of state is of the highest dignity in france it is full of peril and incapable of glory rivals however they will have in their nothingness whilst shallow ambition exists in the world or the desire of a miserable salary is an incentive to short-sighted avarice those competitors of the ministers are enabled by your constitution to attack them in their vital parts whilst they have not the means of repelling their charges in any other than the degrading character of culprits the ministers of state in france are the only persons in that country who are incapable of a share in the national councils what ministers what councils what a nation but they are responsible it is a poor service that is to be had from responsibility the elevation of mind to be derived from fear will never make a nation glorious responsibility prevents crimes it makes all attempts against the laws dangerous but for a principle of active and zealous service none but idiots could think of it is the conduct of a war to be trusted to a man who may abhor its principle who in every step he may take to render it successful confirms the power of those by whom he is oppressed will foreign states seriously treat with him who has no prerogative of peace or war no not so much as in a single vote by himself or his ministers or by any one whom he can possibly influence a state of contempt is not a state for a prince better get rid of him at once i know it will be said that these humors in the court and executive government will continue only through this generation and that the king has been brought to declare the dauphin shall be educated in a conformity to his situation if he is made to conform to his situation 
he will have no education at all. His training must be worse even than that of an arbitrary monarch. If he reads, whether he reads or not, some good or evil genius will tell him his ancestors were kings. Thenceforward his object must be to assert himself and to avenge his parents. This, you will say, is not his duty. That may be, but it is nature. And whilst you pique nature against you, you do unwisely to trust to duty. In this feudal scheme of polity, the state nurses in its bosom, for the present, a source of weakness, perplexity, counteraction, inefficiency, and decay, and it prepares the means of its final ruin. In short, I see nothing in the executive force, I cannot call it authority, that has even an appearance of vigor, or that has the smallest degree of just correspondence or symmetry or amicable relation with the supreme power, either as it now exists, or as it is planned for the future government. You have settled, by an economy as perverted as the policy, two establishments of government. Footnote. In reality, three, to reckon the provincial republican establishments. End of footnote. One real, one fictitious. Both maintained at a vast expense, but the fictitious at, I think, the greatest. Such a machine as the latter is not worth the grease of its wheels. The expense is exorbitant, and neither the show nor the use deserve the tenth part of the charge. Oh, but I don't do justice to the talents of the legislators. I don't allow, as I ought to do, for necessity. Their scheme of executive force was not their choice. This pageant must be kept. The people would not consent to part with it. Right, I understand you. You do, in spite of your grand theories, to which you would have heaven and earth to bend, you do know how to conform yourself to the nature and circumstances of things. But when you were obliged to conform thus far to circumstances, you ought to have carried your submission farther, and to have made what you were obliged to take, a proper instrument and useful to its end. That was in your power. For instance, among many others, it was in your power to leave to your king the right of peace and war. What? To leave to the executive magistrate the most dangerous of all prerogatives? I know none more dangerous, nor any one more necessary to be so trusted. I do not say that this prerogative ought to be trusted to your king, unless he enjoyed other auxiliary trusts along with it, which he does not now hold. But if he did possess them, hazardous as they are, undoubtedly, advantages would arise from such a constitution more than compensating the risk there is no other way of keeping the several potentates of europe from intriguing distinctly and personally with the members of your assembly from intermeddling in all your concerns and fomenting in the heart of your country the most pernicious of all factions factions in the interest and under the direction of foreign powers from that worst of evils thank god we are still free your skill, if you had any, would be well employed to find out indirect correctives and controls upon this perilous trust. If you did not like those which in England we have chosen, your leaders might have exerted their abilities in contriving better. If it were necessary to exemplify the consequences of such an executive government as yours, in the management of great affairs, I should refer you to the late reports of M. de Montmorin to the National Assembly and all the other proceedings relative to the differences between Great Britain and Spain. It would be treating your understanding with disrespect to point them out to you. 
i hear that the persons who are called ministers have signified an intention of resigning their places i am rather astonished that they have not resigned long since for the universe i would not have stood in the situation in which they have been for this last twelvemonth they wished well i take it for granted to the revolution let this fact be as it may they could not placed as they were upon an eminence though an eminence of humiliation but be the first to see collectively and to feel each in his own department the evils which have been produced by that revolution in every step which they took or forbore to take they must have felt the degraded situation of their country and their utter incapacity of serving it they are in a species of subordinate servitude in which no men before them were ever seen without confidence from their sovereign on whom they were forced or from the assembly who forced them upon him all the noble functions of their office are executed by committees of the assembly without any regard whatsoever to their personal or their official authority they are to execute without power they are to be responsible without discretion they are to deliberate without choice in their puzzled situation under two sovereigns over neither of whom they have any influence they must act in such a manner as in effect whatever they may intend sometimes to betray the one sometimes the other and always to betray themselves such has been their situation such must be the situation of those who succeed them i have much respect and many good wishes for monsieur necker i am obliged to him for attentions i thought when his enemies had driven him from versailles that his exile was a subject of most serious congratulations sed multe urbis et publica vota vicerunt he is now sitting on the ruins of the finances and of the monarchy of france a great deal more might be observed on the strange constitution of the executory part of the new government but fatigue must give bounds to the discussion of subjects which in themselves have hardly any limits End of section 18